Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we've got our co-host Blake in the Escape Pod today to chat all about Star Wars Clone Wars from uh, 2003 to 2005, Volume 1 and 2, also known as uh, the micro-series on Cartoon Network before Star Wars The Clone Wars uh, was debuted in 2008 on the big screen, then launching with a TV show that followed that known as the, the CGI show or the 3D animated show. So we're going to be comparing these two Clone Wars shows and uh, just getting right into that conversation and all the positives and negatives that each of them had to offer. Another happy landing. Man, that theme brings back memories. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Blake. Hey, man. Thanks again for having me on here. Should be fun. This is going to be a good topic. I have to admit, this is, this is one I've actually been pretty excited for. I've always been a really big, big fan of the, the Gendy series. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's reminiscent of, I think, for a lot of people just in, in this particular age bracket that we're in, at least, that... You know, yeah, before Revenge of the Sith came out, like that yeah, was the Clone that, Wars, right? Yeah, it, it honestly, it bridged the gap between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And mm. I think it was through the summers, they they released like every week, they had another section or whatever come out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was, kind, of, it was kind of weird though, because it wasn't a show. It was a three minute short that happened in between other shows. Right. Yeah. And and here, okay, here's the thing about that. This is the craziest part about that Star Wars Clone Wars. I actually only watched it in its full on DVD right. when they actually released them. You know, whenever that was, I don't even know when I got them, but uh, when they when they came out as a as a volume, so yeah, like, the DVD sets, one of them, yeah, the DVD yeah. sets that really stitched them all together. Like, I never actually experienced those little itty bitty yeah. chunks. I got those yeah. for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. I, I guess it's kind of like waking up Christmas morning and getting the Clone Wars 2008 like prequel movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's Star Wars, but is it? <laughs> you know, as far as Christmas gifts go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Uh, Diego, who's you know another another co-host of ours on on this show who runs the ran the Clone Wars talk series. Uh, you know him, him and I go way back, and it was for one of my one of my birthdays or something like that. And uh, him him and his family had gotten me the Ewok Adventures DVD, to which I still have it today. And uh, the the That's Clone pretty Wars impressive, <laughs> right? And you cannot find that DVD freaking anywhere yeah like, it is Disney, so hard to find. Disney has done a great job erasing the past 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything they don't want you to find, you're not going to find it. Oh man. A holiday special yeah. Ewok adventures. The original you know, cut of star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, George made sure we didn't find any of those. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot of damage too. <laughs> Disney is the one going door to door and confiscating VHSs though. <laughs> <laughs> they got their lawyers coming after yeah. you. <laughs> oh man. So, Star Wars Clone Wars it's uh it's it's interesting because prior to the CG show that was that was all we had and stuff like that but even kind of more interestingly to compare them both uh this was a generation of Star Wars a very short-lived kind of era that yeah. we didn't get any Lego It's for. weird. It's weird that they didn't make Lego specifics to this series yeah Instead, but that's just kind of the thing stuck, right like yeah they like stuck attack the of the clones was still pretty new yeah so they're focused on that and then all of a sudden revenge of the sith came out and it was like the this like really it's, short period yeah. of time that was three like, years it's not that it? short three years I, yeah i guess so i guess so 2002 I, I and then it was it was 2006 i think at least the dvd was, release yeah, I guess uh, the, well, the, the series was between 03 and, and 05, but but yeah, the the volumes I I I guess were they must have been released later on, I guess. Yeah. But uh but what's crazy is that in 2005 when Revenge of the Sith was was coming out is when production started on Star Wars The Clone Wars, like the CG show that we had yeah. launched in 2008. For the record, yeah, I think it's best to call it 2008 and 2003. Clone Wars, because <laughs> right, if you right, just right. try to, I bet it's going to get real confusing listening to this podcast comparing the Clone Wars versus uh, Clone Wars. Because <laughs> <yeah. laughs> that's the only title difference. Otherwise, it's the same thing. Just we'll, the. we'll call it the, the 2003 and then 2008. Yeah, yeah sure. I think that's Sounds easier. Uh, so then... I don't know. So we we just watched these these two volumes uh, worth of worth of shorts. Yeah, back and to back. And honestly, anyone who likes the 2008 3D Clone Wars should absolutely check these out. They're for free on YouTube. There's two seasons at one hour each. That's a total of two hours of media. And even just seeing the like the sparks of life that led into the 2008 series, that alone is just super cool. It's almost like a precursor yeah. of what then came later. Right, yeah, yeah, just kind of like uh, what served as inspiration for some of the things that, that yeah. they did in the, the 3D series, but then and then the stuff also that just, they took out. <laughs> yeah, and then also just to see, uh, because of course I think George had some sort of input in this series when it was he being did, produced, yeah. but it's interesting to see kind of the ideas that he was toying with before Revenge of the Sith was a thing. Uh, so just to see that, and then also before the CG show was a thing, yeah. like just to see his ideas at work and in a show episodically. And if animated. you want to get into that, that's actually the the big difference of why Grievous changed so much. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess um, you know, speaking of that, speaking of Grievous as well, just even the the visual design of this show. Like, what what do you think of the visual design of the show? Just comparing the two. I actually really like it. We talked I, I mentioned this during like the watching, but I honest I'm a big fan of the old 2D style cartoons. I'm kinda tired of the whole 3D thing these days. I feel like it's overdone. So it's almost refreshing to go back to where we came from. You know what I mean? So mm. I have a bit of nostalgia for that. And this the show came out in that weird middle ground where we were transitioning from 2D animated shows, especially Cartoon Network 
to 3D. And so it actually has a bit of a mix, but it's all rendered like it's 2D, which is kind of yeah. cool. Which uh, is something very similar to how Star Wars Resistance approached yeah, there. Yeah, it's exactly it. Uh, this this might actually have been inspiration for that. I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. Um, when I, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, my my preference is just overall. I mean, I'm so, I, I'm so in love with the 2008 Star Wars: The Clone Wars that yeah. that. It, but again, like this was also something I grew up with as well. So. Uh, you know, I, I'm not dislike, like, I don't dislike this particular series. I just, uh, it's no longer canon. It's just, you know, it's, it's not, well, as, it's, uh, it's weird that you say that because it's not entirely true. Uh, I was trying to find the exact quote of where Dave said it. And unfortunately, because there's a lot of reviews to the finale of the, of the, 2008 Clone Wars, the 3D one. I yeah. that's all that would come up. I couldn't find anything in regards to the 2003 one, which is so difficult because yeah. of the same name. So you can't really differentiate the two when yeah. you're doing a Google search. Anyway, I know I heard a quote somewhere of Dave saying that the 2003 Clone Wars, though it's not technically canon anymore, it kind of serves a purpose of what Legends is, and that's those are the stories that are told in the Star Wars universe. So they're mm. like folk tales in the Star Wars. Interesting. Yeah. So they're more like this is it's yeah. So like this is the past, legend of the Clone Wars. Yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah. So it's what the average citizens would tell each other what happened, right? They didn't they didn't witness it firsthand necessarily, but it's kind of like you told a guy, you told a guy, who told a guy. And that's yeah. what the story became. So that's and, also what leads it to look yeah. visually like over the top kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. So the Jedi end up becoming these crazy godlike creatures, like one one man armies, as uh, Gendy <laughs> described them. That was his plan to make each Jedi worth a, a thousand or, or so uh, storm, yeah. or, uh, clone troopers. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 probably the best way to approach it. I would and, still uh, to go a little um, deeper in that before we move on is. Floney specifically pointed out the Mace Windu battle where there's the kid, there's the boy on the hill, and he's looking yeah. down at Mace Windu kill thousands and thousands of droids, just punching them out and stuff, and basically destroys an entire droid army by himself. And then Mace Windu huh. comes over, and boy gives him some water, and then he jumps back down. But what Floney described it as in canon is what we see that's the story of the boy's perspective. Yeah, that that makes sense. Like, I think it's a little easier to accept that show. I think with that being with that being said, within the context of the story, as far as like the actual events goes, though, like none of them are accurate. Like none of them not are not to the current canon. Unfortunately. They're all no, yeah, because they're they because they're making books like that. Like there's there's a there's a book called The Legends of Luke Skywalker. There's one called Myths and Fables. There's right. a Another one called Dark Visions. They're That's all so weird. books. You would intentionally yeah. make a legends book. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's kind of it's kind of a way for them to toy around with f- fictional stories within the canonicity, right? right? So, no, so I'm sure trying to make a canon book, you're really hampered. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that. We've talked about that in a lot of our reviews, where you can tell that they're really limited in what they can do just because they can't go outside the box yeah yeah totally so they can't do it yeah they, they've got to stay within the context right so yeah exactly um, 
so yeah, that's something that that this particular Clone Wars, uh, there was some some guidelines, of course, being bridge bridging between two films, but unlike the Clone Wars, where they kind of had a more realistic approach to the show as far as like keeping it consistent with the live action, uh, they really they really could do a lot of interesting visual things uh, in oh, this yeah. particular series. And, and some of it, some of it's uh, a little over the top and then other others are, is like really, really cool. Um, but then just as a whole though, it's, 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 it's meant to be that way. Right. So yeah. some of it's um, super cheesy. Yeah. Some of it's, some of it's pretty, pretty, like, pretty over the top. Like yeah. how the, uh, the separatists, they design a giant boot essentially that just stomps on everyone like they're bugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it is. I find it so hard to to buy into things like that. I think it's this, great. This I think show. Lego should have made one. I remember like, as a kid hoping Lego would make this giant like pulverizer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's just this giant giant ship that has like a one kilometer steel club that just like mashes down the ground and just kills right. everybody <laughs> under it. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> so, so there's one thing about this show that's worth noting. Uh, some of the voice actors that played the characters by the likes of Dooku, Yoda, Obi-Wan Kenobi returned and played those same characters in the CG show yeah. and massively improved their performance with the later show. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Because- also, they, I bet what they did is they allowed the original cast to audition and they went yeah. with who was good, right? Right, Who, who right. could do it. And Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you could probably say the name of the voice actors because they alluded yeah, to me. Yeah, but- I mean, J- James Earl, Arnold Taylor, I mean, Tom Kane, I think it was Corey uh, Corey. Was it Corey Burton or something like that who played Dooku? Uh, it, was, it was something along those lines. But yeah, those those three yeah. prominently so, kind of made their their return. Um, James Arnold Taylor, is that right? James Arnold Taylor. Yeah, yeah he Kenobi. improved a lot. It's crazy. Yeah. He like yeah. He's kind of kind of sounds like Obi Wan in this enough that you could get by. But he nails it in the three D series. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like just by the end of the show, especially because even the first season compared to the last season, you can tell it's dramatically improved yeah. by the end. Yeah, that just so, goes to show he's constantly practicing and trying to get better at it too, right? Oh he yeah, doesn't yeah, get, totally. doesn't stagnate. Yeah. Right. And while we're yeah. on it, we should talk about Anakin because Anakin's yeah. voice casting. Oh, and he's one of the few people that actually got recast, which is very interesting. Uh, with the, yeah, one of the most prominent characters yeah. too. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Anthony Daniels was in this. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Uh, but uh, I but think yeah. Sam Jackson actually did do some lines. I saw pictures of it, but I can't prove that. In this particular series, I think so. Because he did do he... Uh, some voice lines for the CG show, but he didn't. Okay, do maybe it yeah, for... maybe I'm getting the articles mixed up. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe because because he did do the 2008 theatrical release, mm-hmm. um, but I I don't know about this one. Okay, um, fans look deeper into that and email us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's. What was what, what you brought up? The Anakin, 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 yeah, Anakin's voice casting. Yeah. originally voiced by a guy named Matt Lucas. And I looked into it and he, I, my first thoughts were, oh, it was George's son. That's so cool. And I looked into it and he doesn't seem to be of any relation or maybe <laughs> just not like 
close. Does he even related. have a son named Matt? No, that's why I don't think it is related at all. <laughs> that's yeah, why I, yeah. I looked out George Lucas's children. And I can find anyone like right. named Matt. I think Jet is the only son. Yeah, yeah, and which Jet did play a Jedi, just wasn't Anakin. Yeah, but. that's why I, I wasn't I wasn't going to be surprised if he had a son named Matt. Maybe it's a nephew. I don't know. I couldn't find any direct ties. Oh, maybe yeah, because because if you look him up, he he doesn't have any prominent. Um, there was a any few prominent. There's a, is there, is and there it was a few? like all voice voice work for Anakin <laughs> for that whole era. He did it oh, in, in the original Battlefront games and some other Star really? Wars. Really? Yeah, I looked it up. Interesting. So, did he? Uh, was he also the voice of Anakin in uh, the Star Wars? Clone Wars placed it or GameCube game. I think it was. I wouldn't be surprised. I had that on Xbox as well. It wasn't just that was GameCube. a great game. Yeah, I liked it too. I got it for free with my Xbox. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, there's one thing that came up in this in this particular show mm-hmm. that I thought was interesting, and I've read an article about it before, but like you, I couldn't find it again. It was just buried. Um, but Rex was inspired by uh, the the arc troopers that they designed for this particular series. I wouldn't series. be surprised by that at all. They had a lot of similarities. And the first time we meet the arc troopers, the lead one, none of the clones have names in this series. So I think mm-hmm. that's actually one thing that really grew upon. Like this series, the clones are super badass, like badass soldiers. But you don't ever get to learn any of them as people. They're kind of just fodder. And some of them are... Like the ARC troopers, which are, you know, the painted up guys that got the kilts and stuff. Yep. They're always super badass. And then the other guys are kind of throwaway. (laughs) (laughs) That's more or less how it is. But yeah, as you were saying, the main guy who has the red paint, he very much seems inspired to become Rex. He's got the dual pistols, kind of got the same thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that... um... And and I think it was in volume two, one of their arc troopers had the almost a very similar Rex looking logo on his helmet as well. Oh, interesting! Um, I missed that, and I have to look yeah. into it. Yeah, so it's there's a lot of inspiration there for for just arc troops in general. I mean, we're talking now about uh, the, the likes of Fives and Echo, and that whole design of like the thick arm gauntlets and the gadgets and everything, and uh, and and you know, yeah, that was a creation from this particular series which which made its way into that other show yeah, which is really cool what's funny is this series spawned off novelizations that uh mostly came through describing the arc troopers through the 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 clone commando books mm, yeah that's really where they started to fill in the blanks and then that was all uncanonized and we got the clone wars 3d 2008 series which then changed the arc troopers to be just like the best of the best. They prove themselves to be capable, but they're just regular soldiers. But mm-hmm. the original arc troopers were actually enhanced super soldiers that were modified. Yeah. And so they had enhanced strength as suit like supers uh, uh like like agility. They're very dexterous. They yeah, they also, were like uh, Star Wars Spartans, basically. Yeah, they were basically the Star Wars equivalent of the Spartans from the Halo series. They even had uh, increased brain power so they could think faster than everyone else. Like, yeah. like everything you can kind of think of as like a typical super soldier, they had that. And there was two different versions. There's the original version, which was the Nulls, which were deemed to be too... 
like explosive in anger, like they couldn't really control themselves because they were also playing with making them less docile. So the original arc troopers had no none of the docile like altering and they decided that wasn't very good so they were actually supposed to be gotten rid of and they were just going to straight up incinerate them but instead they decided uh they're they're taken in by the guy who trained the commandos that's how you learn Mm. about them so they kind of like the outcast arc troopers and the rest of the arc troopers which are like their alpha and all them were slightly docile there was something you mentioned at one point recently where you said that uh, as well as like the arc tra- troopers that the mentality of having genetically modified clones also kind of spawned off this idea for the bad batch which now yeah. we're kind of getting a show about but in the in the clone wars was a an arc they introduced uh which which really got into that whole philosophy right? yeah it's like super interesting because well basically each of the the enhancements that the original art troopers had they've split that up to be a specific enhanced attribute that they gave to the bad batch so it's almost like they took the testing of what the art troopers were in the eu and had them each individually tested on a different clone which then they after they deemed not worthy became the bad batch yeah yeah it's a cool idea and i love how they they still utilize like things like this like the uh, the 2D Clone Wars, uh, the 2003 <laughs> Clone Wars show, and and uh, and other parts of the Legends EU, and and cycle that back into canon yeah. because so there's, many things. That are yeah, really cool. The great story ideas, and it, yeah. it sucks just to see them thrown away because they just decided to go a different direction, right? Right. Yeah, a thrown away or even just unacknowledged, and you know, so it's cool to to see that that uh, uh, I think it's the only property that was in a way overwritten so quickly like yeah, the way it that it was fast. yeah yeah like and within a 10 years we had two types of clone wars so. and i think that's mostly to do with george yeah because i yeah. watched a couple interviews of of gendy uh, gendy Tar- tarkovsky and he pointed out that the notes that they were given to create these characters and these stories were pretty basic and when they were given them it was near the end of attack of the clones and by the time Revenge of the Sith started, George had already changed everything. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why there's some stuff that's not really consistent. And the best example of that is actually Grievous. So it's really funny where when they were told to design Grievous and add him to the show, he shows up at the end of season one. He is the most badass Jedi killer you could possibly imagine. It's like he was completely created with the intent of just slaughtering as many Jedi as possible. And he was mm. trained for that. He was built for it, everything about him. And he has this almost horror-like vibe to him where he just comes out of the shadows. Like you think it's like a zombie movie where you think you get away and then he's just there. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they were told he was supposed to be. And by the time the movie came out, uh, Gendy said George had changed him from this incredible Jedi killer to this evil like monster of the week villain who twirls his mustache and says I'll get you next time which is such a crazy change and we kind of see that in the 2008 version where he's not nearly as competent he almost loses to Ahsoka when she's a Padawan like he's not very good at his job General Grievous will run and hide as he always does yeah exactly they they turn him him into a coward who just runs away 
but in the original design he was supposed to be this badass yeah yeah i mean it really reflects kind of the evolution of these ideas that evolve as stories tend to develop right like i mean so much of that happens developing a movie and george is definitely not one to let an animated show that he's got minor investments in while he's super busy making these live action films to hold him back doing anything. Yeah, you know? no. Yeah. So he's, I mean, that's, uh, it, that's the thing of the Lucas Canon system of the EU, right? right. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you write stuff, but at any point George writes something else, like he's in, you're yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. He owns it, right? So, so that's, and that's also, uh, you know, building on top of that, it's, it's, uh, it's also, just a, a sign of how difficult it is to keep a consistent canon sometimes, yeah. you know, just a linear story, which is what Disney is doing. It's a very daunting task it's because so hard. they're building in different places and, and at the same time and, and uh, they got to keep it all consistent and everything yeah. like that. So either way, it's like there's a bit of a downside to it. Oh, absolutely. Um, We've talked about that a hundred times where like, yeah. it's awesome, yeah. but also it really shoots yourself in the foot. So Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, there was one thing I, I noticed uh, about just, I mean, this this is just something minor, but the visual style of this in the first volume in particular, there was way less dialogue. And yeah, that's, um, that's due uh, specifically to how it was designed. So actually the first and second season were designed differently. And I talked about this a little bit at the beginning. The first season, it was only the first season, was designed to be three-minute shorts. Mm-hmm. So... When Gendy pitched the idea, he wanted to do Star Wars in the theme of Band of Brothers. So if you've ever seen Band of Brothers, it's a micro-series, I guess you could call it that. It's like a 10-episode 10, 10 series, which is like right in the battle, in, in the bloodbath of what was World War II. And so you get to know these characters, and you just see all the trials that they go through. And what he wanted to do was bring that to Star Wars, but he was limited into three-minute segments. So yeah. if you want to create these crazy war stories and really get the any story detail out of it, you don't really have a lot of time for dialogue. You kind of need to keep everything pretty quick-paced and just show it very visually. And so mm-hmm. that's why in the first season, there's not a lot of dialogue. But yeah. come the second season, they changed it from three-minute shorts to 10-minute shorts. And they actually had, I think, an actual show segment. That explains, yeah, and that explains a lot because there's way more dialogue in those ones too. But yeah. uh, something about the first volume, which I think I, I pointed out while we were watching it, was that it relied a lot of visual storytelling. So mm-hmm. the banking clan, you know, when, when the they go to the, clan. the yeah, the, the banking clan will sign your treaty. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they go to that planet and there's a yeah. big scene with dirge and all that stuff, uh, the, the city that they're in is just banks yeah, like whole, everywhere yeah it's like, like coruscant like classic, but every building is a bank <laughs> yeah and they're very like classic looking banks like yeah. the kind of buildings that you see in like the old batman cartoon series in the 90s yeah the and elaborate stuff. Like, yeah, ones yeah very almost, elaborate fancy banks and almost all that greek, yeah. greek-like yeah. structure yeah 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 monopoly style you know yeah, it's like it's, pretty it's funny. so funny yeah <laughs> it's just like a city of banks like that that's it was like oh what kind of bad is ba- uh, planet is this like oh that's that's where the banking clan lives like yeah. oh figures yeah oh, that makes sense. just city of banks that that's that's is i it thought that, it was pretty funny is it that different in the 2008 one though like i don't we oh yeah yeah we, so different like the 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 planet that the banking clan is on 
uh is uh the entire the entire arc where padme goes there padme it's like there, a, yeah uh, it's and like a swiss alps out, yeah kind she of. finds out that it's just a big ponzi scheme yeah 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 exactly so so the banking clan like that that entire planet she's on um is uh, uh scipio uh and scipio is uh is like this very um swiss mountain range kind of style planet oh, where wow. okay. uh, it's just like snow everywhere and mountains and very nice layouts it's almost and, like the original design of alderaan <laughs> yeah kind of it's like it's yeah it's kind of like that but just everywhere right so okay. so that's uh, that's scipio and you can find you know the episode where, where padme goes there and or look up screenshots whatever and you can see it so it's a very dramatic change from being a, a very Bank. kind of rural planet <laughs> with then just cities of banks yeah, yeah. i think yeah. that's hilarious though if the whole whole planet was just banks it's like <laughs> It'd be pretty funny but like again that kind of lead, leads back to like what i was saying in the beginning <laughs> where some stuff is just so over the top and it's intentional because it's all based on visual yeah. visual storytelling and stuff right yeah for sure um, the Moncala war did you did you know anything down for that one uh, just that I noticed a lot of what was rehashed in the 2008 Clone Wars because we see the the Mon Cal they're signed up they signed up with the Jedi and the Corrin the the sign up with the Separatists and they go to war to try to take over. The difference is we get an entire story arc in 2008. In 2003, we get about six minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and that. and by and even and Kit Fisto's involvement too was was pretty cool. Just the fact that they uh, they recycled that idea in the 2008 show. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I thought it was just a really cool uh, cool little thing. And something else that they did with this series is this the first time that we've ever seen a, a visual interaction uh, between the Force and water. Like oh, you see true. him making. Dragon Ball Z type balls of force and oh, yeah. throwing them at that makes sense. Yeah, so cool. there was there was that, but then there was also something with his lightsaber. It, it also reacts to the water, whereas in the CG show and in and in just live action yeah. movies and stuff like that, you never see a lightsaber smoking or doing anything with water at all. Yeah. It's because it's just light. Even though it's a laser, it's yeah. light. <laughs> but it's so, supposed to be hot. That's how it melts the steel. Uh, yeah. One thing that they did change here, though, is in the 2003 version, Kit Fisto has the only lightsaber that works underwater. He and he designed it specifically to be able to do that. A regular lightsaber oh. won't ignite while underwater. And then in 2008, they just said, "Meh, they all work." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which to me that makes a lot more sense because I don't know. It's just the in idea like the lightsaber is such a. Uh, it makes it, it almost just makes no sense for it to be not waterproof. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. Think it's, it's energy, so you'd think yeah, yeah, it would cause it's problems with the water. I mean, if you'd think then even if you're you ignite it after a couple seconds, the water around you would just start boiling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like scald yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe their excuses has something to do with the magnetic field. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I, I I don't know. All I know is that I saw and I was like, oh, that's that's different. Like it's different yeah. than what we than what we're used to. Yeah, and, they did that uh, a few times though. Also, when they would see the Sarge Ventress battle, it starts to rain, and you actually see it the rain sizzling off the lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the moment I was referencing with this with the the steam. But uh, but yeah, it, it's something that 
really only this show tends to to do with with that particular effect and um i think it's cool i, just want to I mean it they probably yeah. i bet felony would have done it it's just you know another element more time yeah. to get it done you know that sort of thing it's, yeah I'm and sure it's, it's one just, more effect it. for them to spend money on and yeah you know, exactly when it. i when i listen to dave feloni behind the scenes interviews and stuff like that he's always brought up uh in it well not all the time but in, in a, a lot of the time he tends to bring up the budget yeah because he really pushes the fact that as the show advanced they found uh the cheaper ways to do things that also looked better Oh, and so like and so it just kind of you know it's yeah. with the with the, the evolution of technology and and just the way that they were doing this show like they found cheaper ways to make it look better and that they spend less money and because money was like a big issue because it's an episodic thing mm-hmm. they have so much money for one episode and that's yeah it. like there's really nothing boxed. else yeah yeah so he, that was something that he had to kind of work around especially be doing a show like the clone wars 2008 version where it is the most visually appealing show ever to be animated the way it is like yeah, there's no other nice. and there's no other animated show that looks like it yeah and that was part of the reason why it was so expensive and disney yeah. when they bought it went they were like oh let's see how there's this show is pretty popular let's take a look and they looked at the cost like yee they <laughs> yeah, canceled yeah, yeah. it immediately yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going to a fancy restaurant ordering like the the most expensive meal without looking at it yeah. then seeing your bill at the end of the night and like going ooh okay let's uh let's wash the dishes instead <laughs> yeah excuse me i need to use the restroom (laughs) right yeah excuse me uh i got it i left my keys in the car or my wallet in the car you know it's okay if i (laughs) just bail just cancel forgot my wallet yeah um (laughs) jousting droids we got a whole sequence of dude that was cool like yeah honestly the whole dirge thing i'm so disappointed they didn't bring that back i'm disappointed they didn't at least recycle dirge into the cg show because yeah it's he i I liked his character a lot i even have him as a star wars miniature and you have uh, everyone as a star wars miniature (laughs) i do i do i it's like my obsession of collecting all these guys yeah uh but yeah it's it's a it's a cool uh it's a cool concept for a character and you mentioned while we were watching it that he's made of all these little worms for anyone who doesn't know what so Dirge is when you see him, he's got this kind of this badass armor to him. He's like this big, huge jacked guy. And then if you watch the show, uh, he fights Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan like cuts him up. And then these worm things start coming out. And if you look up his species in Wikipedia, it's because he's Dirge isn't one person. He's a colony of worms living together, working in unison. So that's Mm. why he's so hard to kill. So so the first thing Obi-Wan does when they fight hand to hand, Obi-Wan like blocks like three times and then immediately stabs him through the chest. But that doesn't do anything because there's thousands of worms in there. So yeah. sure, he would have killed a couple hundred, but there's thousands more. So Dirge just punches him and then continues to brawl. Yeah, there was there the, the character of Dirge was also used a lot through the dark horse clone wars comic series that that kind of spawned off of this 2d animated show which which was kind of a base for those those comic books i don't know if you remember those but they were the very prominent kind of i knew bits um, and pieces i know that's where 
originally Darth Maul came back. Yeah, it was like, and also that they did the whole uh, dark side Quinlan Voss arc, which right. was which was really well known, which also got cycled into the 2008 show. See what I mean? They recycled but everything but Dirge. They recycled everything but Dirge, and I vaguely remember reading uh, something as to what happened there. Um, I think it was that the concept of Dirge turned into the creation of Cad Bane. Oh, interesting. But yeah, don't take my quote on that. They're but, so but different. I, I vaguely, <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember something about how they wanted a, a very prominent bounty hunter that wasn't, because Django was dead and yeah. Boba wasn't there yet. So and they wanted somebody. That's what Dirge somebody, was supposed to be. Yeah, it was to fill that void, right? But, but um, yeah, if you go back to a lot of that Legends material, He's in the comic series. Uh, I remember I have a Scholastic Children's book from the Boba Fett series, and he's in the fourth book called Hunted. Uh, and uh, there's still, actually a live. Yeah, he was very uh, prominent in that era. Yeah. Yeah. Very prominent character, uh, action figures, you know, you could, the whole nine yards. And yeah, he was and big so, in the EU. Very big in the EU. Yeah. And, and in the canon, uh, just totally disappeared. <laughs> a character that was not recycled in any way whatsoever. All right, but. everyone, everyone listening, this is our opportunity. We all need to email starwars.com. Get bring Dave Dirge Filoni. back. Yeah, bring Dirge back. We're going into the Bad Batch now. <laughs> there's, there's room. <laughs> starting a new hashtag. Yeah. Uh, recycle Dirge. <laughs> yeah. Do the Dirge. <laughs> I mean, I love Cad Bane. Like, if, if that's true about Cad Bane being uh being just a replacement for for dirge i still really love yeah, Cat Bane. No, he's got the swagger he's got the cowboy style that's what we all love about star wars a lot of the time is the yeah. western flair i would and say so, yeah you're exactly right cad yeah. bane is a much more depth of a character and is much better suited for what that character was used for in the series yeah but you know they could have had a, a one-off episode they, or arc yeah 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 totally up. totally they still could have put him in there right so um, I got something else here. Ventress was introduced in this 2D Clone Wars series, and uh, I just want to take a moment to talk about her story arc compared to the Clone Wars, which is obviously way more in depth and and you know kind of miles deeper of a character. Whereas this series, she kind of showed up, served her purpose, and died. Um, but the brief appearance that she kind of made in this show uh, really served this crucial uh, element of of having that that antagonist that Anakin has to face, right? Uh, something that that wasn't just uh, just Dooku over and over and over again, right? Um, and uh, <clears throat> I really I really like the idea that that they were playing with there. And that's something that I really love that they brought back into the into the 2008 show was that this character conceptually was originally supposed to be Dooku when they were planning out the villain for Attack of the Clones. And they settled on the old man approach and everything. But when they were doing the designs and everything, like she, her design of, of Ventress was actually one of the options. And I think George just really loved the design of this character because not only did they end up using it in this series, which then again in the 2008 series as well, that's twice he opted to use the character. Yeah. But she also showed up in the Star Wars Bounty Hunter game for PlayStation at the very end. You know, Dooku recruits her as his... Uh, his assassin uh, padawan and mm. yeah yeah after kamari vosa kind of you know oh bites yeah the, that's um, where you find out that she uses his duke's former master's lightsabers yeah it was yeah it was something like that i vaguely remember her uh 
uh, or at least a, a mention of her or, or something, or, or mm. maybe I'm thinking of the lightsabers themselves. Maybe that's how Dooku, oh, yeah. Cause Dooku's Kamari Vosa, her lightsabers are Ventress's lightsabers. And yeah. in this series, he just gifts them. He to gifts her, them to her. Yeah. Because when we first meet her, she has two Jedi sabers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something the CG show acknowledged was her master Kyle, Kai and Eric, um, being a Jedi trained person, he uh he died and and she had one lightsaber and he took she took his and and turned them on and everything and and uh uh kind of went went all all uh angry dark side mode on all the pirates or whatever that were ripping apart the town and and so i really like how they they took those elements and still used those those things yeah but one thing i really missed was that fight on Yavin four between her and Skywalker. Yeah, agreed. But before we get into that, we should just bef- early on when we meet her. One thing I thought was kind of neat is, and we talked about this a bit uh, when we're watching in the the two D series, the O three series, she proves herself to become Dooku's apprentice by beating everyone in this arena. Yeah. And I had mentioned, oh, I wish they had reused this. And then you pointed out we actually meet her right after that takes place. Yeah, we meet her in the Clone Wars after her recruitment into the Separatists and as Duke's apprentice. And then in the arcs where we really focus in on her character, which flashes back to her past, you really only see her kneeling at Duke's front where he accepts her as his apprentice. But we really don't see what comes before that other than her ordeal with her master dying and her being right. taken as a child and stuff like that. So that whole arena battle scene really on rat attack really just disappears, just gone, you know? Um, and well, it's something I really wish they had just thrown I a almost, little snippet in there. But, I, yeah. I, I almost feel like well, it still could technically be canon. It's just, we, yeah. we, we cut in, in the, the 3d version right after it happens. Yeah. Cause they got to meet somehow. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I can totally seeing it still take place, but then that goes back to what you're saying earlier. It's like, this is kind of the legends yeah. format of how some of the clone wars may have gone. Right. So, um, yeah, again, maybe it, maybe it did happen. Uh, something, maybe something Anakin else about did eat a bunch of bugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something about when, when this character is introduced, though, did you notice she has this cloaking technique where she shows up as some other guy and then Dooku acknowledges the fact that it's like, oh, you hide your you mask your presence well. And and then she sneaks up and just has her cloak on. It's what it is. Yeah. But when she shows up, she's this like white robed alien with green eyes. And then all of a sudden she transforms into this dark animation thing. (laughs) I I I don't think it's a disguise. I think that was just maybe it's just a style. Well, you see, I took it as uh, no, because like when when Dooku first walks into that that arena, that's that's who he meets. He meets the the host, and she's he's talking like an alien language, and and uh, he's he's got a blue face with green eyes, snake eyes, and he's wearing a right a white turban with like a white robe and everything. And then uh, they sit, sit down by the, the the viewport and watch the the fighting and stuff like that. And then the scene cuts to just Dooku and saying, uh, you hide your presence well and all that. And then it zooms out and all you see is this black cloaked person yeah. sitting there in the chair now. And I was like, whoa, like that's, that's a pretty weird way to introduce a character. But like, 
I, I it made me think. I was like, oh, is is it she like masking her 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 presence through the force to make her look like that? And oh, maybe um, or something like that, right? Like I, I highly doubt it's a Mission Impossible like rubber mask thing. But <laughs> well, there's also races that can change their appearance. I don't know. Right. Well, Ventress isn't one of them though, right? So so that's why maybe I was, that was like, a oh, change. maybe. <laughs> and, and he acknowledges <laughs> and, and he acknowledges the fact that he, that she can mask her presence well. Uh, so I always thought that that was kind of an interesting little piece that never got reused again. Was that uh, this uh, Her, this whole idea that someone can visually make yeah. themselves look different in the force by mind tricking somebody? So as a viewer of the show, it's like, oh, she's fooling us, but Dooku's not fooled. Like, it is a very night sister that. thing to do as well. Which is cool. It is, yeah. That's another thing that's that's worth mentioning. Yeah, it's a very kind of magic thing for yeah because i guess she does do that thing where she turns invisible and yep. kind of yeah so yeah that's a good point uh but uh, uh anyway on with on with the duel mm-hmm. which is something that uh like it sucks that through this entire series there's these great arcs that they spent so much time developing and then they just didn't do a lot of them and annoys me to no end and one that you had started getting getting into was the du- the duel on Yav before between mm-hmm. Anakin and Asajj Ventress. Yeah, 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 and and in a way, so okay, so when when the theatrical release came out for for the CG show for the 2008 show, and I saw the movie, I was expecting to see a reiterated version of that micro series. In a way, I yeah. had no idea that there was a show that came after until I left the theater and and uh, you know a friend of mine told me that and and i was like oh well okay that makes a lot of sense because i walked out thinking like what the heck like what that just was watch? a major cliffhanger yeah yeah it's like <laughs> all these things i didn't want to happen and then yeah john has got a kid now <laughs> Jabba's got a kid and he's got a padawan yeah, ventress is still running around like what the <laughs> heck right uh, so so then i was i was relieved to know that there was a show coming and and uh in the same visual format and and all that stuff i was like oh that's awesome but um but I was expecting as I watched the show for for it to get to that point where Anakin yeah. just kills Ventress, right? Like I was expecting it the entire way through yeah, until sure. until she gives up her – until that whole arc happens with Dooku giving up her as an apprentice. And then I was like, oh, man, like things are getting twisted now. Yeah. And, uh, and she goes the whole the whole night sister arc and everything, and I loved it. I loved how it surprised me and did something with the character that was so fulfilling because that's when she gets interesting, right? Before that, she's just a puppet. Yeah. And and <laughs> after that moment, I started to care about the character. And now, Dark Disciple is one of my favorite Star Wars books ever. It's the my my most favorite Star Wars book ever, and that book is about her, um, and and Quinlan Vos. But but it you know it's it took funny, a while to get to that point. The similarities between what happened to her from start to finish and what happened to Soka as far as yeah. the, the growth for yeah. fans and the depth of story. Yeah, for sure. And, and so you start off with this character like this, that's just supposed to be used as a tool for, for, you know, but I guess that's kind of Maul's story, you know, like that's Maul's, we spent a whole two hours or so yeah. talking about how Maul is that guy that just is used and killed off and discarded. Right. And, and I think I really like you know, in, in retrospect, uh, I, I like the fact that they didn't do that to Ventress. I like the fact that they took that character and changed her fate and uh, in the end gave her a redeeming, a, a redeeming Arc. end. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, and it was the most fulfilling story, I think, uh, out of 
if I were to pick any character arc, like my top three, like she's in my top three as to who had the best character arc beginning to end in that show. Yep, I can uh, see it, that. And it, the fact it sucks that we didn't get was, on screen, but she became a force wielding bounty hunter is pretty badass. Oh yeah, yeah, it's so <laughs> cool, right? Like she goes through so many iterations, right? She goes from being uh, a Jedi, or sorry, she goes from being a, a, a night sister baby to a Jedi exile, uh, and then to a Sith apprentice to a uh to a night sister to a to a night sister slash assassin witch uh to a bounty hunter and then to a jedi spy like and then and then uh falls in love and everything and and dies and it's like man that's crazy and anyone who anyone who's uh yeah it is insane and like like anyone who's wondering resume (laughs) anyone who's wondering what i'm talking about if you if you've seen the clone wars in full these uh, episodes I refer to would have been part of the show if Disney hadn't canceled it. So you need to read Star Wars Dark Disciple written by Christy Golden. And it's eight un- uh, it's eight unaired Star Wars The Clone Wars episodes, scripts that were adapted into a novel. So you want to read those. And that's actually part of The Clone Wars that you're missing if you haven't read that book. But uh, again, one of my favorite books ever because Clone Wars is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's just kind of the other mm. side of the coin. But uh, yeah, yeah so such a great I, character. I definitely could agree then that her arc is much better than it was in the original series, the 2003 series. Mm. But because they changed it and they introduced Ahsoka so early, it robbed us of seeing Anakin knighted from Padawan to a Jedi Knight. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely something else. Um, you, you don't get uh, the knighting of Anakin Skywalker in the CG show because there is a time gap, whereas this one, I feel like there was less of a time gap. Like yeah, there was, it feels like it takes place almost immediately after Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They, they kind of insinuated that that was the case. Yeah, uh, and that means Grievous actually didn't show up till halfway into the war. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that that they kind of uh, in the in the CG show they kind of they acknowledge right away in the theatrical release that he's just around, like he's just part of the separatist army already. So in that time gap between attack of the clones and the clone wars, mm-hmm. 2008 he just shows up. He just, he, yeah, he shows up like a lot of other characters like Ventress and you know, there's just this, there's just this instant, okay, we're in the story. Now these characters yeah. are a thing. Well, what's funny is in the 2003 series, they actually introduced Ventress as well. Because we have Anakin yep. in a starfighter, yeah, 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 space battle, and he's got his, his modified starfighter, which is super badass, by the way. Oh man, his starfighter is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> with the giant turbines on it. I think it was awesome. Yeah, so uh, good. And this other ship starts attacking them, and Anakin figures out that whoever's piloting it isn't a droid and can use the Force. So he yep. follows the this other starfighter. Onto Yavin Four, and that's where we find out it was Asajj Ventress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's yeah. Um, going back to Anakin's knighting, uh, there was something around that where I thought it was an interesting conversation because one of the bits of dialogue, few bits of dialogue from that first first volume, uh, were I think it was the first volume, right? Or maybe it was the second. I forget. Uh, they uh, they kind of talked about the Jedi talked about their structure of the different types of trials that one needs to go through before making it to knighthood. 
and they kind yeah. of they kind of overlooked Anakin's Anakin's trials already. I mean, Obi Wan really sticks up for him and kind of says, "Oh, Anakin did fight Dooku, and you know all these other things." And yeah. the Jedi are just so like, yeah, it's "Oh, test yeah, of he the hasn't... flesh test of courage," which is when he uh, take he kills Asajj Ventress on his own. Yeah, and the only test he hadn't completed at this point was the uh, test of the spirit. Yeah, which he completes in this second volume of of the micro series, but um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that they actually acknowledged that those those uh, those principles, I guess, which in the in the legends, I guess, was was a lot more prominent of a thing. Um, the three the three different trials, and I, I actually I can't off the top of my head remember if they talk about the trials a lot. Like they kind of not insinuate really. that there's a there's a trial but there's not a series of trials you know yeah that's kind um, of what it is in the new canon at least for the what we've learned about in the old yeah. public where they more or less just have one trial and then they're in right yeah cuz cuz uh, i mean i just assumed that anakin's trial that sent him into knighthood was fighting dooku and even just surviving <laughs> i mean he lost his arm in that battle it's like is that not enough <laughs> yeah that's why it's so, test of the flesh <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I mean, like, he failed cuz he didn't come out with all of his flesh right yeah it's like most jedi though would just died in in a, in a fight like that but he actually is one of the most gifted jedi ever and he lives and the jedi are like oh, nope that was just one out of three yeah exactly right <laughs> like man yeah, a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of stiff necks like <laughs> yeah i love anyway. yoda in this series by the way he just had the greatest facial expressions <laughs> yeah he's so expressive he got a little beak mouth yeah, yeah. <laughs> he always like stick his lick at, his lip out kind of pouty like hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Oh man, there, there's a design for a droid in this series which didn't show up in the in the 2008 show. It's the invisible mind placing droids which attacked yeah. the Jedi Temple on Ilum, where we see a lot more of Barris and Luminara, um, which we did see a lot of them in the CG show yeah. and the 2008 show as well. Barris being a very prominent character, but um, I like how they they did recycle the idea of using those characters a little more prominently later. Yeah, on. I like. I was actually surprised. I've forgotten that she was in this version, in the 2003 version. So when I saw her in there, I was like, oh, wow, they actually reused her character in mm. the 2008. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was quite, um, uh, I, I, it was a good idea because because it, it, those characters, like, honestly, if I were to just think about those characters, they don't really have a lot of depth to them. But in the, in the 2008 show, I feel like we got a lot more of them in general. Like in yeah. the first couple seasons, we see a, a bit more of Luminara. And, and then towards the end of the show, we, we get a lot more of that, uh, that following of events where yeah, Ahsoka, Ahsoka and Barriss have this relationship now, and then that affects mm. her. So yeah, they really work it into the greater story. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was cool that we also got the, this, this, sneak peek at at what Ilum is um, yeah. because I missed that it, the first time around when I watched this back in the day I was just like oh it's a planet but you, you missed that three minute episode <laughs> yeah well all I saw I just didn't you know like pay a lot of attention because I yeah. like the clones mostly <laughs> right 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 but yeah we actually see Ilum as a planet in the original series the 2003 series where they actually introduce it as a location to get kyber crystals yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the in the gathering, which we see in the 2008 version, 
we have the group of Padawans that travel there with Yoda and Ahsoka to get their, their crystals. And, uh, and we experience what, what kind of trials that they have to go through before they even get a crystal. And then the process of making a lightsaber on the way back with, with, uh, uh David Tennant's character, Hu Yang, is it the, the droid on, on board the ship? Um, uh, you know, oh, that, that droid idea. that, so in, in the 2008 Star Wars Clone Wars series, like it was season five i want to say or season four but uh that story arc um there was a droid on board the jedi cruiser that gets attacked by hondo and his pirate gang okay oh i know what you're talking about voiced by david Tennant. yeah that's right yeah yeah the guy the droid who teaches all the younglings how to actually make a lightsaber yeah that's right yeah Yeah, he's got that one extra kooky arm yeah 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 so so he's been around apparently this droid has existed for for like almost a thousand years yeah, and which is even, also i guess to the fact that his face the design of his his um his head i guess was the original design for c-3po that mccory did in the original right, yeah very inspired by that for sure yeah um i i i love i firstly i mean i know you're a big david Tennant fan and i am yeah um, it's the only version of doctor who that i like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i mean he's, he's an awesome actor and and uh, i mean i really love the actor and I, I found it just awesome that they found a way to bring him into star wars in the first place but the fact that going forward with all these other shows and you know we don't know what's coming down the line for for high republic aside from the acolyte which is at the very tail end of the high right. republic era but um but hu yang would have or he yang or i don't know how to pronounce his name would have existed in that time period because yeah, he's been around a, for hundreds of years that'd be pretty neat um, so I'm yeah like, i mean him playing back. a uh mocap droid uh for 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 a movie or a show or something in the high republic era would be would be pretty sweet oh but. that would be yeah that's a good idea yeah. Hopefully anyway, Lucas I got kind of off topic with Lucasfilm was listening, thing. and they're going to offer David Tennant a role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Lucasfilm, if you're listening, hire him back. <laughs> it brings in viewers. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I guess we're we're getting towards volume for more volume two stuff now. But but uh, there was a, a the the Wolfie Jedi. I, I don't even know his name. Uh, yeah. He was the only one that. I've ever seen in far as far as a Republic era Jedi goes that has a red lightsaber. And yeah, it was like a pinky, was, was like a pinky pink. red kind of maybe, thing. Yeah. yeah, maybe pink, maybe a little orange. Yeah. But I feel like they were playing off the fact that Mace Windu has a purple one. So like, well, let's do this too. But yeah, if you saw him by himself, you'd think, oh, he's a Sith. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it just didn't play off the way that they no. hoped. But <laughs> My opinion is they shouldn't have done it, but you know, right. it, it is what it is. Like, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, it is what it is. It is interesting to see now though, with the, the old Republic coming out or the higher Republic, sorry, that they are introducing all these different colors. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe definitely we will more get, prominently. get a werewolf Jedi with a pinkish red lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Right. I mean, uh, with, with Jedi fallen order as well, the video game, they kind of also canonized the fact that there are other color lightsabers that you can have. It's just less common. Right. Yeah. Um, because Cal Kestis, the main character goes to Ilum and, and as a player, you get to choose your crystal color, but they really introduced a lot of these different, different shades. Uh, some of them, uh, which we haven't really seen, seen at all. And some of them that we haven't seen at like 
very much of, mm-hmm. uh, but they were all there. I mean, purple, yellow, different shades of blue and, and green and stuff. And, and silver, uh, black, white. And yeah, I mean, you, you know, you get all the, the colors of, of, of lightsabers, but yeah, this salmon colored red was one that uh, was, it's like a very odd color that yeah. just. Well, the worst part it, though, is it smells like fish. <laughs> exactly yeah i mean that's the lightsaber that you fight uh, the corn with <laughs> if anything it's it's uh it's gonna it can only be used by a, a corn jedi right <laughs> um something we didn't get in the 2008 show that was covered in this sh- micro series was dooku training grievous grievous yeah they really skipped over all of grievous's backstory entirely in the 2008 version which i found I didn't like it. I found it quite terrible. I wish they would have done it at least early on. Show us a little bit of background of him showing up. Well, if you're like, yeah. oh, we've, we've we've caught word that there's some, there's a new commander controlling the droids yeah. over in this sector, and they they're using new tactics that's outmaneuvering our, our clones. We can send some yeah, Jedi to yeah. check it out. Yeah, make him kind of slowly show up, right? Not just yeah. throw him in, but. Yeah, I mean, it comes from the context of having seen all the live action films, having know what what how he, you know, just pops up in Revenge of the Sith and then dies, right? Uh, I guess they were just like, oh, you know, let's just throw him in. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's going to care how he how he shows up. Some Maybe part of that like, is in the original 2003 series, we Drevis doesn't show up until after Asajj Ventress is dead. Yeah. So it's almost like Dooku took on Grievous as his new apprentice. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. He's training him directly one-on-one with lightsaber dueling and telling him to use the the better tactics. What is it called? Mm-hmm. Use the – I can't remember. It's like – it's like a – Yeah, the, the, the like technique. Like an kind of like a weird tactics that no one would expect. Don't use the standard yeah. Jedi attacks. Right. And which – and really makes it feel like Grievous is Dooku's apprentice. Yeah, I think it's meant to to come off that way, and and again, it kind of goes back to like this is just another character that they're using as a puppet, and uh, you know, in the in the CG show and the two thousand eight show, that is it it's a, it's pretty prominent that that is the case. Like he's just a warrior that he's kind of self built up this reputation yeah. to himself, but but he's a coward and and nobody cares about him, but but he's also pretty lethal of a, of a fighter for, for a lot of people to deal with. Yeah. But well, I don't um, get in the new version is how we could collect those lightsabers in the first place. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> one thing that they did acknowledge uh, was when he does kill a Jedi, it's normally like a Padawan or, or, you know, and he's got all these, cause there was one episode called the Lair of Grievous where it's in season mm-hmm. one. And Kit Fisto and and uh, his Mon Cal his, apprentice, the Mon Cal apprentice, yeah, and and the bunch of clones stuff. They go into his place, and only Kit Fisto survives. But when he brags about it to Dooku, who actually set the whole thing up as a trap, it's revealed that like, oh yeah, like I killed the Jedi, and he's like, that is very impressive, and you know all that stuff. But then he's Dooku finds out that it's just the Padawan. He's like, oh well, there's room to improve, and then he hangs up the call. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in his like trophy rooms and stuff, you have all these Jedi Padawan braids and mm-hmm. the lightsaber and stuff he's collected, and and, and all that stuff. So. 
I guess that's the collection that he talks about when he can't fit all these lightsabers on his belt or in yeah, his robe and sense. stuff. He it's takes like, them home and yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. funny because when we meet him, it's like ah yes, another lightsaber for my collection. He's only got three. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> He's just starting out. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of a. I guess it's just one of those things that that um, that they that they kind of retroactively said, okay, he is this this particular style of character. He's had that mm. training already from Dooku a little bit, uh, but uh, they, not they something that skipped. we see on screen. Yeah, they yeah. skipped after all that. We we join into the series after all that's happened. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another one of those things like you know, Ventress being recruited by Dooku skipped over in the show we assume that's just happened right yeah um a lot of that window of time that we just didn't didn't get in the the 2008 version uh am i bypassing anything in your in your notes or, or uh, this is kind no, of... this is going pretty consistent uh okay. st- i do have some other stuff most of it now is kind of getting into the battle of coruscant but we should talk about the fact that Padme and Anakin have like one scene together in this entire micro series. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very short lived. How did you get that? Just because of the fact it's the whole thing's two hours, and they're trying to show an entire war. So yeah. there's not a lot of time for the intricacies. That uh, was something I really liked about the 2008 show a yeah. lot. Is that they got into that relationship a bit, and, and they explained showed... it so much better. I mean, Anakin way yeah. less creepy than just yeah. the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it makes his obsession a little less um, weird, right? Yeah. Like, uh, as we know from the 2008 show, like, by the time of Revenge of the Sith, like, we find out, like, a lot of this, a lot of this possessive kind of love and jealousy is reflected in his character. But um, a lot of that, it gets sparked up by characters like Rush Clovis and, you know, stuff oh, like yeah. that, right? And, and that's not something that the 2D show could have the time to even... That's the main thing. All, so. I think it really just came down to time crunch yeah. of what they wanted to tell, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, massively improved mm-hmm. when they did the 2008 3D. Massively improved. Yeah. Uh, Anakin has a bit of a story arc prior to the Battle of Coruscant where he has an entire arc that uh, prominently known as the the Anakin-Nelvin story, I guess. Right. Uh, where him and Kenobi go to this this planet, encounter the natives. They've got a prophecy of of one who will kind of save their village and, the and ghost all that. hand the, with the ghost arm. Yeah, and what I really liked about this sequence, um, not so much the fact that well, okay, the 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 um, uh, man, the Wat Tambor's species the techno union oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the techno, the techno the union techno union uh, bryce would probably make a make a joke as far as uh, it's like the, the star wars musical band techno union yeah you know, dude a bunch does, of djs in space dude, techno <laughs> union is hands down the coolest group ever named in star wars it's pretty sweet yeah it's i a love great the name. name it's i love the name yeah but then the, the other the, the the one thing that i i'd be like i'd be like oh man like what would be really awesome that i haven't done yet is a like a the Max Rebo band or something like a, a group of musicians <laughs> naming themselves after the techno yeah, union. It should be the techno reunion. <laughs> the techno reunion. Oh my goodness. If I ever make a band, dude, if it's electronic music, we're calling ourselves the techno union. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, like they, they're experimenting on the males on this planet, the Nelvin warriors and all that. And, and uh, kind of made me think of the whole echo arc when they're experimenting on, oh, on echo yeah. as a clone. Yeah. 
Because yeah. that's also the techno union, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Oh, man. I so so it was reflective of that. But then the other thing was Anakin's vision that he gets in the cave. And that yeah. was what really sticks out about this entire arc, because uh, it's very cool to see these wall paintings come to life. But what's important about this story is that it's about this uh, this warrior who takes on this this it's great evil. enemy, this great evil. Yeah. And loses his arm in the process and uh, has a, a new arm that kind of comes back, which is a bit of a, a bit of a gift in a way, because it helps him conquer these great enemies. Right. Like these yeah. big things that he's got to face. Right. But, but then that side of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That side of him starts to grow every time he uses his power right and as he uses his power this power begins to literally consume him and all those around him and swallows them up and at the end of the dream like you hear padme crying out his voice like anakin Mm -hmm. and so i was like wow that's such a cool little quick express kind of like story that reflects the story of anakin that his power literally consumes him and everyone else around him and the galaxy at large and really brings the birth of the empire and and all these all these terrible terrible things so true and you know what it even fits into our current understanding of the sith where i'm just this is just dawning on me now where like kylo ren he he's punching himself for more pain because pain he can turn to rage and rage is power right yeah so anakin probably a bit his hand is cut off probably hurts all the time so he, it could be alluding to the fact that he's probably using that pain as rage and thus power, which is actually how he, you know, he starts giving the dark side and through rage, he, he that's how he beats Count Dooku. He's hitting him so hard that Dooku can't defend himself properly. Yeah. And even just the simple loss of having his arm taken off, right? Because like when he takes off Dooku's head... Palpatine acknowledges that he's and he says it like, well, Anakin's kind of a little flustered. He's like that. Yeah, you know, I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't the Jedi way. Yeah. And Palpatine just simply states like, well, he cut off your arm and you wanted revenge. Like it, was it, it, it wasn't the first time, Anakin, you know, and then he says, remember what you told me of your mother and the sand people and. <laughs> but, yeah i mean it's 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 a cool I, I love the story like the story of 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 how just power can corrupt right yeah um, that's exactly it yeah and it also if you just let the emotions get the better of you too right right yeah yeah totally um yeah uh i, I think i wonder lo- is there a canon who designed general grievous because this arc always made me feel like the techno union was the group that built grievous no um in the canon and uh well i don't know about i I forget what the eu story is i think it had something to do with the ship crash but uh in the canon it's alluded to that grievous has been replacing parts on his body willingly because because uh he wants to improve his uh, physical nature, I guess, yeah. Worry, yeah, his physical stature and and all that stuff, and uh, I, I liked that too because when I read a book called uh, it's called Phasma, and it's about a <laughs> character about? that nobody cares about, yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, and but the book was really good, and and which is why I wanted to read it because I heard good things about it. But I mean, it's also just one of the more prominent Del Rey Star Wars books, and and it was on a character that that dies so quickly twice and and really really don't get a lot of her and i was like oh how i'm so curious as to the origins of this character which is what the book explores and something that they really got into in that novel which kind of reflects grievous a lot as well 
was she comes from this very primitive planet and as a very primitive race, doesn't really know even what a ship looks like. And, uh, you know, sticks and stones kind of warrior style sort of thing. And a bunch of uh, First Order or or, uh, I think it was First Order or Imperial, I I forget. I think it was First Order, but they crash on the planet and uh, she ends up getting sucked into their mission being, you know, have to make their way back to one of the parts of the ship that works or escape pod or whatever. And she encounters them as they kind of progress through the story. She starts to be introduced to these new forms of weaponry and technology. And she becomes obsessed with kind of that lifestyle of of living in almost living in luxury and living mm-hmm. with these these things. Then she goes from being this very proud warrior who is like very skilled and stuff in combat with a with a spear and all that stuff and and with no armor at all and literally becomes this this thing that's like cloaked just drenched in in armor uh which uh is quite the opposite of what she Her used to be was, yeah and, yeah and, and that's very similar to grievous like he starts off as a proud warrior but as he kind of improves himself he wishes to go he, he wants to push it even further and he thinks that replacing his legs and stuff with more powerful mech legs and then his arms with even more powerful mech arms and then his body and just everything, everything and one piece at a time. And it gets to the point that he's just turned himself into something he really wasn't before. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it, in a very negative way, just becomes a monster. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. It was actually very interesting. I didn't realize that the backstory to Phasma, so that actually explains why in the last Jedi, she's fighting with that stick. Yeah. It's a uh, cultural uh, style weapon, I believe, yeah. from from her home planet. I, but yeah, oh, I man. forget what the name of it was. Yeah, is that the that's the beam she uses the the pole, the spear, whatever you want to call it? Is this supposed to be Beskar? Because it actually looks kind of like uh, the Mandalorian one, and I always yeah. wonder why the design was so bland. It literally, just looks like a metal pole. I don't believe that her native spear was made of metal. I think that's something that just came with the evolution of her, you know, gravitating to all this crazy armor, but her armor was made from the metal or something of one of the ships. And I think that ship also happened to be very similar, if not the same metal, I think of uh, like the Naboo Royal cruiser. Which oh, was the yeah, I think it was something like that, which is also why the metal just reflects. Yeah, it's got the bolts. same mirror like, look. Yeah. So yeah, what you're saying is in Attack of the Clones, when they blow up the cruiser, she scavenges all the parts, makes armor out of it. <laughs> it's not like, that cruiser, they, not that they crawl cruiser. Up over the edge of the landing it's, pad, it, like collecting it, pieces. <laughs> it was a while now that I read that book, but but I I remember something as to the armor that her spear and her herself is made of is is from something like that like a ship or something like that 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 was right maybe so if and- she went to like the tattoo went to moss aspa and came across uh, uh, a good friend of ours do you think he would introduce to talk to her like ah nabubian <laughs> Nick Watto would open with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. They might think she can. Uh, she's a ship or something. That's right. Know, you know. But yeah, I, I would recommend the book though. Like if you know, if you ever need to burn an audible credit on on anything that isn't you know, because we're on the last High Republic book yeah. now, and there's going to be a bit of a break until the next one. So if you're looking to to 
to listen to a good story. It actually was pretty good. Uh, I, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. Keep that one in the um, back pocket then. Yeah, for sure. The last thing that we haven't really acknowledged too much yet is the entire finale of this volume two, which was the Battle of Coruscant and uh, the kidnapping of the Chancellor, which is not something that we visually saw on screen in, in the 2008 show and season more yeah. recently in season seven uh, of the Clone Wars. But I do um, wonder if it was originally written to happen and then mm-hmm. because of uh, the, the Disneyfying didn't happen. Right. Yeah, because it's been, and I brought it up quite a few times before, but but uh, the Star Wars, 2008 Star Wars The Clone Wars originally was supposed to be eight seasons long. Yeah. And when they canceled it at season five, the very few episodes that remained finished, which was the half of season six that they had completed, uh, was later released on Netflix and, and then came to Blu-ray and now it's on Disney+. Plus as well as a couple of proxy episodes, which was unfinished animation that, that was just, you know, the audio was there, but the, the episodes were, weren't finished. They had the rest of season six planned out like that. And then they had snippets of some of the season seven episodes going forward, as well as completely un uh, proxy scripts for season seven and season eight. Right. And season seven, the actual, like the one that we have as season seven, which there's three story arcs, the Bad Batch arc, the Ahsoka arc, and the finale. Uh, this The finale was supposed to be from season eight. The Ahsoka arc, I think, was a uh, season seven arc. And uh, the Bad Batch arc was was also intended, I believe, to be a season seven arc. Okay. Um, that still or, leaves or even, another season, essentially. Yeah, or even season six, actually. Bad Batch was, was probably late season six because there was proxy animation episodes of that arc and then yeah. they finished those and adapted it slightly they changed some things but not very much and finished those those episodes so yeah so we had one arc from season six slash seven one from season seven and then one from season eight so there's so much that we it's don't have and i mean that's not to mention we have the son of dathmir darth maul comic which was four episodes mm-hmm. uh which was adapted into that comic book and then there's the dark disciple asajj ventress novel which was eight episodes which leaves uh, about 20-something-odd episodes, 23 to 25, that we didn't get any sort of adapted material for. And I know Dave Filoni has brought up what those arcs could have been, like in in Anaheim and, and in yeah. uh, celebrations like that have happened in the past. He's, he's given his footnotes. He said uh, there would have been an arc with Yoda going to Kashyyyk. There would have been an arc with Boba and Cad Bane teaming yeah. up. And we kind of got uh, some of the reels in regards to that. Yeah. Yeah. And we got some snippets of proxy. So like you got some idea for like what some things would have happened. But again, those ideas can always change. And, and according to one of the writers, the scripts were all finished. So there were scripts planned out through the entire rest of the show. So it's like if there was an arc that got into Battle of Coruscant, Battle of Coruscant, it's it's possible that it's possible we could have seen like a maybe at least part of that finale arc get into that. Yeah. Because the other thing worth bringing up is the Ahsoka novel, which we talked about Ahsoka and the Ahsoka novel and how a lot of those flashback scenes, the Clone Wars are no longer accurate and it's yeah. because they actually changed a lot of that finale script and no longer is the book actually super canon in, in a way in those flashback yeah. sequences because it's so different right and, and so it's definitely worth mentioning that that book was written at the time of these finished at the time scripts for season eight 
Mm-hmm. Um, flash forward years later where they've made changes to that now and finished the episodes and everything. Now that book has old script formats, right? Uh, so it's possible that in those older versions of the script that we actually did have scenes where the chancellor gets kidnapped. Yeah, but there's no telling that was the to thing how. to me is I loved the way the 2003 version, they introduced the Battle of Coruscant. They show this huge space battle. There's thousands of, of like battleships, not just fighters, but like actual proper cruisers. And then there's actually an air battle on planet where you see some of the Jedi fighters are actually fighting some of the vulture droids and stuff. And then there's also the ground battle, which we see a lot of the, the arc troopers and the clones and everything. We find the whole thing is just a big distraction so that they can capture Palpatine and get out. And they actually end the show right as Anakin and Obi-Wan are going to save the Chancellor because he was kidnapped by Grievous. So mm-hmm. it's like you shut off, you, you end one, and then you start Revenge of the Sith, and they just, it's seamless. And I yeah. love that. And I really wish we could have got that with the 2008 version, and maybe we would have, but we, we kind we of won't we kind now. of did. I mean, like at the end of the first episode of the finale arc, uh, or I think it was the beginning of the the first episode of the finale arc, Anakin Obi Wan rush off to save the Chancellor. Yeah. So technically, but if you stop the Clone Wars, and, it, and go there, that's where it's that's where it bridges off into the movie, right? But what I love about the Clone Wars and how it handles the rest of the show is we see an overlap happen with the movie. Like we see Ahsoka and Rex and all these characters that the show built up so long. It's like what happened to them during the movie. It's like, oh, that's where it happened. That's where that's where the story kind of splits off and does its own thing. Mm-hmm. So we actually did get that scene, but it's just not the end of the show. There's just more to watch that overlaps with the movie. Yeah. Um, but then it just makes it kind of, of of a confusing viewing order because when when Diego was like watching these things, what he said on Clone Wars Talk in the finale finale episode, he said, "I will never be able to watch Revenge of the Sith the same way again without." watching this at the same time like he's just like yeah yeah, he said he can never do it again he's like i I feel like i'm only watching half a movie now when i watch revenge of the sith that's crazy yeah (laughs) well it's that much of an impact because now all of a sudden these characters just meant so so much to him right yeah and and to him that's now that's what's happening like that's the story like when anakin leaves to go talk to the chancellor about about grievous like that's when uh, that's when Ahsoka enters in on the hologram and starts talking about the updates so on Mandalore. Yeah. And it's so seamless, right? And so, but it's an overlap. And that's kind of the, the main the main difference is like with Star Wars Clone Wars 2003, it's intended to be this, you know, one after the next. But yeah. with Star Wars the Clone Wars from 2008, it's supposed to be this conjumbled Interwe- story yeah, that, yeah, interweave, like many other things like the books and comics, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair enough. I guess it's just to say that there's there's good things to both shows. Even now that we've had two, like one isn't a complete rewrite. There's still cool stuff in both. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I mean, now that we're kind of we're kind of reaching our time at this point, but like as a look back, just between the two, is there one thing that prominently sticks out to you about the two D series that that um, you uh you really love compared to the cg show and then vice versa hmm that's kind of tough because i think i've kind of spoken out about a number of things that i really liked that yeah I, that's I wish, fair that's fair I wish was it one prominent thing though well, the biggest one i 
probably grievous to be honest and yeah like we this is a good time to get into it is at the end of the battle of, of coruscant as grievous is getting away with with the chancellor at the last second before he closes the door of the ship to take off mace windu catches up mm. with him and uses the force to crush his chest and it forces the metal in on his lungs and it, it damages him <clears throat> excuse me and from then on grievous has that kind of raspy cough and before yeah. that he never had it and we thought that was so cool and it would also perfectly explain the transition between badass jedi killer grievous and then this new not as competent because he's been injured version of grievous that we see in revenge of the sith right yeah that's that's actually probably yeah that's a big one uh for sure uh because the with the 2008 show they just started off the characters he just had it yeah yeah because of the enhancements and all what he's done to his body like that's why he's you know coughing all the time yeah and honestly to me that's a loss of storytelling yeah i really wish they would have stuck to the other one and it gives them the excuse to make grievous the badass that we saw him in the original version right obviously it went another route and what's funny is filoni when asked about how they would treat darth vader in rebels he said we don't want to make the same mistake that we did with grievous and turning him into this incompetent like villain who is just there and fails every week mm-hmm. right they don't want to do with vader because he's someone that is just in such high regard with so many people but he acknowledges that that was actually a mistake with grievous and they probably shouldn't have done that hmm. yeah i uh, i yeah it's been a while since i listened to that that stuff i i forget if he i forget which one he brings up the grievous thing i don't think i've ever i'd ever heard about it until you mentioned it was it. early it was right at the beginning of rebels huh yeah um well uh it's it's one of those it's one of those shows that i've obviously i have a lot mm-hmm. of nostalgia too you know and i actually even had uh, one or two of the action figures back then like i had i know i had ventress as a um the cartoon network style Clone Wars uh, format, but um, definitely a, a show that lingers with me, and, and all the the web games I used to play back in the day on, yeah. on the Cartoon Network That's website, funny. and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, I, I think one thing I think I, I got to agree with you. I think the biggest change that I wish they'd recycled back into the other the the main the canon show is is uh, is the Grievous can't uh, you know the grievous his cough arc. and yeah he had uh, his yeah, own just, story arc in there yeah just like more of an arc you know like more of that beginning to the story and yeah um and not so much the the weekly villain sort of thing but yeah um that and uh i do love the whole like i think if we just take the ventress arc as is the the rat attack stuff could have been added in seamlessly it wouldn't have caused any problems like you know it would have been totally reasonable i think to have a lot of that recycled into the yeah. theatrical release yeah, like that was instead of having thing. yeah and still have instead of having a plot like like jabba's son being rescued and stuff which uh is a little tough to watch right like yeah. it, it's uh, it, it would have been really cool to see those elements from the 2d show then cycled into the 3d animated show where yeah, you have they, this they cinematic style a lot of it and i would say the majority of it but there are certain key points they didn't. And that's, yeah, these yeah. are the two biggest ones for me. Because if they would have opened with that, 
and then that causes Anakin to get knighted, and then from there we get into the rest of the story with Ahsoka. Like it would, it doesn't really change anything. And you right. just have a, like in the original it just version fills, fills the time gap, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And in the original version, Asajj Ventress dies, but we don't have to have her die here, right? Right. Yeah. 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 We could have just had something else happen instead. Yeah, and she, she gets just, away. Yeah, but maybe something. Dooku shows up and. She's under a bunch of rocks and he rescues her or something. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, maybe she's in a med chamber for, for a little while and then yeah, she pops exactly. up again, right? It's like, easy enough knows? to fix. So they could have done both. So I, I wish they had done that. Anyway. Yeah, there's definitely those two big things kind of stick out to me, as well as the kidnapping of the Chancellor. I'm not heartbroken about that one as much because, because it still happens because it still happens. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily need to see it happen. Like it's it's something that they obviously alluded to in the show. And yeah, the thing you know, is, it's, it, it is also important to Grievous's arc. So it kind of all ties together. So like you don't have one, you kind of miss the other. Yeah, that it all leads back to that that whole jipping of the Grievous narrative i guess yeah, yeah uh for sure um but one thing i i really appreciate about the 2008 clone wars obviously is uh is just the evolution of new characters like mm-hmm. rex like ahsoka yeah. like all these characters that i think like you and i and many other people have uh started off kind of being a little unsure about and then just going to being some of our favorite characters of all time yeah and and that's very hard to do with any story, right? Yeah, try to like fit in these other characters, not just make them feel clipped on for more toys. Yeah, yeah. And, and so in a way, I mean, it, it's hard to compare them because they're so different in so many ways. But then but then, as far as just a narrative goes, as far as storytelling, like, you, you know, the, the, the micro series really didn't have any advantage over the Clone Wars 2008 version in that sense because you're they're working with an hour per volume, three minutes yeah. of snippet or whatever, 10 minutes. And and compared to a twenty two minute episode, it's like, you yeah. know, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a crazy it's like a, difference, right? It's a crazy difference. But that and so they said the amount of story that they got into two hours, and then we see reused. Yeah. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, it's it, it's very impressive, honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's impressive for sure, and and it's definitely meant to be enjoyed as as kind of just a a, a piece of. Very classic art in a way, because uh, yes, there's a little bit of 3D elements in there, but but I mean, a lot of it is uh, is likely to be hand drawn and um, kind of enjoyed to be uh, just this Star Wars animation that remains to be a, a bit of a timeless classic in a way, just because it just doesn't happen anymore. Right. Yeah, it's true. We've kind of lost that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for We've sure. kind of lost it within itself, trying to carry it on, adding more sequels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, the title of this episode being Clone Wars versus the Clone Wars. It's going to confuse a lot of people. (laughs) It's going to confuse a lot of people. I feel like they're going to get to the end of this episode and be like, oh, I was hoping for them to pick a winner. (laughs) Yeah, it's difficult because you can't really compare them like that because one is very grandiose and one is very Mm -hmm. zoomed in tight scale, right? Yeah, yeah. One of them. flaw as the movies have. Mm-hmm. compared to the animated series. Yeah, yeah, one of them is meant to be cinematic and the other one is meant to be uh bent to be a a, like a, a TV cartoon, yeah, right? In, like in depth yeah. series where you follow these characters. And yeah, my favorite part about the 2008 that they improved is basically the same as what you said, but more specifically is the clones themselves. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. They changed from what we saw in the movies and the original 2003 animated series. 
They gave them characters. Yeah, yeah, these clones are these. There's a couple that have color and they're like the art troopers, and so they stand out a bit and they're badasses, but they don't have a lot of depth beyond that. They're mm-hmm. kind of throwaway. We don't meet any of them. We don't know any of them personally. Yeah, we don't that's know a their, really good point. Names. We, we don't know their backstories, what they actually feel about what's going on in the war. We don't know any of that. And we, we get that in the 2008 version. And to me, that was the biggest improvement of all because that makes the ending of Revenge of the Sith just that much more tragic. Yeah, that's a that's a really great point. I mean, yeah, Rex Rex aside, like yeah, there's so many clones that got so much character, and and even I always think back to uh, the season two episode, I think it is, where we meet a clone called Cut Laquade, and mm-hmm. uh, he's a deserter. The episode is actually called The Deserter, that's right. and Rex meets meets him by accident, and it turns out he's actually uh, uh, he was about to be killed off, and and by uh, by I think it was by the Republic because they were all injured and stuff and he was injured but he gets away and um, and just falls in love with this Twi'lek and has a family and everything and and uh, really just kind of becomes his own person and and uh, Rex meets him and and, yeah. and, and he and, has all these thoughts it's like hey you serve a purpose you're born to die like we yeah. serve a purpose and we're, we're supposed what, to do what we're told that's what right? they were trained to think right and it really yeah. I think that arc was so important because it it's actually really yeah. showed Rex that there's there's more to them than just being cannon fodder right and yeah the key the key couple words I think that in the episode was like being a being a good soldier doesn't always mean following orders it means doing what you think is right right and like that's how they're different from droids yeah in, exactly. in a lot of ways and and so they're men right and they're 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 born to be fighting men but like they're born to make their their choices yeah uh, they're and still so, men in the end yeah and and they all and have their own men. personalities we can do anything uh, yeah, I think that's SpongeBob. a good summary. I think we covered most of it. Yeah. Um, the only note I have left that I forgot to mention was for the longest time, and I think this is still what people believe happened in the old animated series, is that Anakin got his scar from Massage Ventress. I remember mm. hearing that over and over again. I think I, I even talked about it to you, but yeah, rewatching the show. It doesn't, doesn't happen. doesn't happen, well, yeah. Maybe it was in a comic Version, it was it was in a source book in a visual source book when they pointed towards Anakin's scar. It always said that he had received that from Ventress. Okay, so that's yeah. where it came from. But mm-hmm. I always thought it was in this micro series, and it didn't happen. I was very yeah. surprised because it yeah. was that, and then we cut to him being a knight, like he gets knighted and stuff, and then he get like there's a time jump, and he has long hair, and he just has the scar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a little, a little weird in that sense. But yeah, I, I, I do rewatching it now. That's been so long. Rewatching, I was like, oh yeah, I thought it was something that he got in that battle. But no, it, it was, it was just a fact. I think that a lot of us have read on on those um, DK publishing uh, visual dictionaries. You know, right. those those big those ones that were very prominent when the films were coming out. And I'm very convinced that that's where that fact came from. I'm surprised it became that well known amongst fandom. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something that, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't even know. I mean, uh, like if I just type up Anakin Skywalker's scar, 
uh, in Legends, Anakin gains the scar from a duel with Asajj Ventress. Like that's yeah. the first thing it says. This is one of the Clone Wars comics published by Dark Horse. Uh, okay, okay, so there was an so, alternate version of the fight then. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so it seems because I know that the Dark Horse did use Star Wars Clone Wars as a template, and then it just kind of built on it a little right. bit. But yeah, I, I okay. uh, I'm pretty sure that that's how they handled the the um, the scar is is that that battle. But mm -hmm. yeah, it was never really hmm. was alluded to in the. That was something that I guess they decided after the show was done to fill mm -hmm. that in as the reason and then it didn't happen i found that actually kind of disappointing <laughs> right yeah yeah I, I mean and it's something i've always thought that would have been a nice touch to the uh, 3d animated show as well like uh, you know but they really time jump those those uh the show and the the film so yeah. uh you never really get that piece filled in but <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's that's pretty much a summary on Clone Wars versus the Clone Wars. I mean, definitely, it's it's not a necessarily a preference thing. They're both meant to be enjoyed, but uh, I mean, obviously, we all have our own favorites. But I mean, yeah, I mean, why don't you listeners uh, give it a go? Try it out. It's free on YouTube, and then mm -hmm. feel free to to write in or do a voicemail to the show, telling us what things you liked, which what things you didn't, and which one you thought was better in the end. Yeah, or even just let us know if you even knew about Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Right? It's yeah. been long enough now that it has somewhat faded into the like the background. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it really has, and and some a lot an era that was really forgotten. Unless you have some of those action figures and and uh, some of those really old comics, like it's um, it, there was no Lego, no like hardly anything for it. So except for um, Anakin Starfighter. Yes, the Starfighter has remained. So like, <laughs> hopefully we do get that cycle up again. Yeah. There was, they did make a Lego for that version. Yeah, didn't they? that's the only Lego of the series they made was Anakin's upgraded right. Starfighter. Oh man, it's such a cool ship. I love Not the I Interceptor. Love that ship. The Starfighter. The, the 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 blue and white striped modified yeah, Jedi it, Starfighter. Yeah. It has like a white sun kind of sunbeam thing going on. Oh, man, it's awesome. I love that thing. But. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks guys for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod. Just real quick, if you can help us out in any way whatsoever, it's by leaving a five-star review, sharing this show with a friend, and just writing up a little bit on uh, the Apple App Store, uh, the iTunes under our listing there, or if you're using an app that has a review section, if you can just drop a sentence or two as to why you love the show. That would help us out a lot. It keeps us motivated. It gives us better research results and it helps bring in new listeners. All three of them are beneficial to this show and uh, its uh, success. And uh, we, we love it uh, if this show uh, succeeds and kind of advances past the milestones that we got set out for, for 2021. So uh, that would be awesome if you could do that. We don't collect any profit on the show. So my second thing is if you were to leave a donation, please just donate it to World Vision. We've dropped a link in the description below uh, of this episode. If, uh, if you want to leave anything behind, as far as a thank you or as far as a support goes, uh, that coin will be much more useful towards families who actually need it. So uh, if you feel inclined at all at any point, I know a lot of people have a Patreon page, but uh, we just do this from the heart of a fan and don't expect any money and, and all that stuff. So uh, if you feel like the need to drop any, any financial support, please just donate it to World Vision where they can help uh, people who will actually need that money. So 
Uh, thanks again for that. If you're interested in Star Wars Clone Wars or Star Wars The Clone Wars, as well as uh, Star Wars Ewok Adventures and, and such that I brought up earlier, all uh, the old Clone Wars show as well as Ewok Adventures will be available on Disney Plus as of April 2nd, I believe. And The Clone Wars is available right now on Disney Plus. So anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. May the Force be with you guys, and we'll catch you next time.